Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. It's good to see everybody today. I'm Pastor Steve Holder. Uh, Introduce myself to you for those of you that may not know. I was lead pastor here, former lead pastor for 25 years, associate pastor for 10 years, and been serving as your global leadership pastor for the last almost three years. When you do the numbers, that's a long time. That's as as old as my truck I'm driving out there, 37 and a half years old, amen, hallelujah. Well, it's good to see y'all today. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. If you're... If you're not, well, we're going to help you get happy before it's all over with. Amen. We're going to have fun in church. That's for sure. Praise God. Hallelujah. So it's good to see everybody. Just uh, they're going to throw up a couple of pictures up uh, of our house we're building in the Dominican Republic as your global leadership pastor. We've been we've been busy uh, last two months of uh, 22. We were in South Africa. We were in Dominican Republic. We were in Israel and um, just uh, traveling, ministering, coaching, consulting, um, helping build the kingdom and you guys are you guys are doing it you guys are the reason why we can do it so praise the lord can we praise the lord for you and your giving and as you can see we're building a house in Ciudad La Palma which is right near the city of Verón and uh, close to Punta Cana in Dominican Republic you can see we're up to about 4 or 5 feet high with the blocks uh, we're going to be releasing some more funds this week to uh, get the finish the blocks and then the next phase will be the roof on the house. And they do a little different over there. They pour the concrete for the floor last. But, uh, so that'll, that'll be coming along. But we're taking a short-term missions trip there next month. We've got five people going with us already. So we're going to have a great time of outreach uh, in, uh, there in Iguay, Dominican Republic. So be much in prayer for us as we reach out and continue to, to take the good news. Amen? Yeah. It's good news. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, my wife and I were traveling. We travel a lot. And uh, a couple of years ago, we were in Dublin, Ireland, and um, we visited St. Patrick's Cathedral. And while we were there, we walked in and uh, beautiful cathedral, but there was this unusual uh, door just hanging there. And uh, so I began reading about it and seeing it. And uh, it's called the uh, Door of Reconciliation. And um, we're going to be talking about uh, forgiveness and reconciliation today as we are in this series called This is, this is the Bible, and every word of it whispers, every word of it shouts Jesus. And uh, so uh, this is a very unusual door because uh, of a circumstance there that took place in Ireland between uh, the Kildares and the Ormans, the Kildare family and the Ormond family were at odds with one another, and uh, so they were feuding, and um, they were fighting, and they were trying to kill one another. Some of you may have read this story. It dates back to the 1400s, but um, so the, in the midst of all this fighting and, and um, between one another, the Ormonds barricaded themselves in the cathedral, in uh, St. Patrick, Patrick's Cathedral, and um, so the Kildares, the Earl of Kildare, he, he said, you know, finally, after all this feuding and fighting and killing one another, not anybody knowing really, I'm sure there was some reason that started it all, but, you know, things go on, conflict, and sometimes we don't even know why we're in conflict, and so they were in conflict, and so he, he said, enough's enough, you know, we, we, need to, we need to let go, we need to 
forgive. We need to love one another. And so um, Kildare, actually, he, he sent a message to the Ormond family. He said, I'm not coming as a villain. I'm not coming as a villain. I'm coming in peace. And well, the Ormonds didn't trust him. They didn't trust because they had been feuding. And so, and, um, and, and, but, but, so he said, I got to do something. So he took out his spear because they were barricaded behind the door and he took out his spear. And uh, uh, Dante, if you'll come up here and, and get behind the door again for me, brother. And um, he took his spear and he cut a hole in the door. And there we go. <laughs> he cut a hole in the door. And uh, he decided that he was going to, in, in, in Ireland, it's still called this to this day. It's called chancing an arm. And so the Ormans, you know, thinking that, you know, it's going to be some kind of uh, continued battle, some kind of continued fight. But here, here's what Mr. Kildare did. He takes and he sticks his arm through the hole, extending a hand. And on the other side of the door, Mr. Orman realizes he's not coming with a spear. He's not coming with a sword. He's not coming with, with warfare and battle, but he's coming with an outstretched hand. And he takes him by the hand on the other side of the door and they shake hands through this door of reconciliation. And then they open the door. And once they open the door, come around here, Dante, they, they actually embrace one another and hug and, and forgive one another. And they end the feud. And no one else's life is taken. No one else is fearful. No one else is afraid. And they embrace one another. They begin trusting one another. And that conflict is resolved to this day. All because somebody was willing to initiate reconciliation. All because someone was willing to chance an arm through the door. I mean, he stuck his, I mean, he, they could have cut his arm off. <laughs> Believe me, they had the weapons to do it with. But what was met was a welcome, a reception of forgiveness and reconciliation. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation from Genesis chapter 33 today. And, um, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 33, and we're going to look at what the scripture says about sibling rivalry, family dysfunction. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You know, there's, I know we got all perfect families at Bethel, perfect marriages. You know, I might as well come on back up here, worship team. I don't even need to preach. I mean, we don't even need to read this script passage today. I, everybody's in perfect harmony and unity and family reunions. Everybody's excited to be there. And, and yeah, listen to this laughter going on. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, you know, reconciliation, reconciliation has to be based on truth or it's not reconciliation. It's deception. But I believe that some of us in our age that we live in today, we're holding on to unforgiveness. We're, we're holding out on reconciliation. We're being hard to get along with. We, we kind of I, I, I put it like this. We, we kind of wear, wear it like a badge of honor and a, and a status symbol. Really? And if we're not careful, we can get caught up in the idolatry of victimization. And we can start loving being the victim so much we start worshiping being the victim. And we refuse to embrace any form of reconciliation. We refuse to embrace 
any form of forgiveness in, you know, in the opposing parties. We, we refuse to chance an arm. And uh, hey, you know, Genesis 33 did not happen overnight. I, I, you know, I really believe in Genesis 33. Forgiveness and reconciliation is at the heart of this chapter. And, and it's at the heart of this meeting that's going to take place between Esau and Jacob. And um, it's also at the heart of God. Amen. Reconciliation's at the heart of God. If not, that Jesus came to reconcile us to himself and reconcile us to God. And now we're ministers of reconciliation. Amen. And, you know, you can have forgiveness and you can express forgiveness. And uh, as I was talking to a, a family came up to me at the end of the first service and said, you know, we went through a divorce. We went through separation there was hard feelings, there was hurts, there was wounds, but now there's been healing, we've come together. But it's like my grandfather and my grandmother divorced whenever I was not even here. And um, <laughs> so I, I just know about this story, but um, my grandfather and my grandmother divorced and my grandfather left my grandmother with four kids. My dad was the oldest of four siblings and he was 13, he had to quit school and go to work and and raise kids at 13 years old. And um, so there was a lot of hurt, a lot of wound, a lot of, you know, father wound, a lot of hurts there. Um, but before it was all said and done, just like the family that came to me this morning, my uh, grandfather went to my grandmother uh, years later and, uh, and asked her for forgiveness. And she looked at him and said, of course I forgive you. And then she looked at him and said, now go back and be a good husband to your wife. And um, so I'm not saying that forgiveness and reconciliation means that everything goes back to the way it was. Okay? Y'all with me? Y'all got that component so that we can clearly move forward here with this message. So um, in this passage, we're going to discover genuine desire for reconciliation. You know, we've all felt it, or let me ask you, just ask you a question. Maybe I'm assuming something, but... Has anybody ever felt pressured to forgive someone before you were ready? Okay. That's a pretty good head nod. Y'all look like, you know, those bobbleheads you get at the ball games. Uh, the exchange of forgiveness in this passage does not happen overnight because Jacob's going to, he's not just going to marry one woman. He's going to marry two women and then he's going to have children by two more that ain't his wife. He liked women. A little bit too much, but it was part of the plan. I, you know, hey, it's the Bible, right? Yep. This is the Bible. It don't leave it out, does it? And, uh, but that's the way it happened. I mean, it's the way it was. But So I'm saying that because he had children with all of them. So this is a process of time. It just didn't happen overnight. This exchange of forgiveness and reconciliation that's in Genesis chapter 33, it was probably, I don't, well, he worked for, he worked for Leah seven years for, uh, under Uncle Laban, and then he worked another seven years for Rachel. So that's 14 years that has transpired and taken place that we know of at least, right? So we know it's just, and, and I'm saying that to say that probably some of y'all sitting here hearing this message today, I'm hearing you, Pastor, and I know someone, but I can't do it right now. I know that's what some of you are saying, and, and, and I'm just saying that 
That's okay, but it's not okay. Okay? <laughs> because I want you to know, and I mean the power of God just hit this place in the early service, so he's still here. Um, um, I want you to know that the unforgiveness part of it is going to do you more harm than it will the person that you're refusing to forgive. Okay? Jacob's past and Esau's past, it was dysfunctional. Jacob was driven by greed. Jacob was driven by deception from, his, from, the, from the mother's womb. When they were being born, that's why he's called the heel grabber. Why they were being born, they were twins, Jacob and Esau. They were twins. And Jacob grabs Esau's heel and because he wants to be first. He wants to be numero uno. And he comes out with that spirit. <laughs> he comes out with that, that drive. He comes out with that deception. And uh, it's fostered in him because his mother chooses favorites. And, uh, you know, she told Jacob one day, she, I mean, she told Esau one day, said, uh, I want you to pass out these, this, these surprise birthday cards um, for your brother. Because tomorrow we're going to give him a surprise birthday party. And Esau knew right away that by that he was not number one. And because uh, they were twins. She celebrated Jacob, but she didn't celebrate Esau. Yeah, it's part of it. Because it, I mean, it was fostered. She was in somewhat of an enabler for that dysfunction in his life. And we see it coming out. I mean, we, it comes out as greed. It comes out as deception. It, it come, Jacob comes out with, with um, I mean, desire for multiple women. I mean, it just, there's, there's all these things that are inside of him that, and I, let's, let's not badger him too much. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. Amen. So Esau, on the other hand, is Isaac's favorite. And so <laughs> we've got this competitive spirit between mom and daddy over the two, two babies, over the two boys. And, and, it, and, it, and it causes problems. But how do you know there's never a problem too big for our God? And you, the enemy may have told you you're a problem, but God can change you. God can change me. God can change us. So Esau's driven by the flesh. Esau sells his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of chili, deer chili with cheddar cheese and saltine crackers. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's good stuff right there. We just had some at the house. But he sells, he sells the birthright because he's driven by his flesh. How many things do we give up because of our flesh? 
How, much, how many, how, I mean, some, I mean, we, my biggest problem's me, I, I, you know. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Those are the big three. <laughs> and and Jacob's, <laughs> Jacob's got all three of them, I mean, personified. Esau, that same thing, driven by the flesh, his appetites, his desires. You know, in order to have a different future, I must become a different person. And the only way I can become a different person is when God changes me and when God changes you. And you know what? God wants to change us. And it's a process. It's also instantaneous. (laughs) I can't explain all that, but we're all a work in progress. Little song we used to sing over there, Bethel Kids, he's still working on me, make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the earth and sun, Jupiter and Mars. And you shoot down balloons. And how loving and faithful he must be. Some of y'all got that. Some of y'all didn't. He's still working on me. So the entire transaction, transformation of sibling forgiveness and reconciliation in this chapter and previous chapter, chapter 32, begins and ends in an altar. It begins and ends in prayer and continues. And you know what? Jacob comes so differently after this encounter he has. And you and I, we can continue the revenge or we can chance an arm and embrace reconciliation. It's up to us, really. Our response is our responsibility. And pretty soon you got to come to a conclusion like Kildare and say, man, enough is enough. We've been at odds too long. We've been feuding too long. We've been fighting over this so long we don't even remember what we were fighting over. And then some of us, we refuse to forget what we've been fighting over. Because we're not going to enter into that realm of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the best form of love. It takes a strong person to say, I'm sorry, but it takes an even stronger person to say, I forgive. And Esau had been done wrong. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. Esau had been done wrong. Anybody ever been done wrong before? You know it. Everybody knows it. And, and it, I mean, and, and when they walk in the door, you, you're thinking wrong. When you see them at the family, wrong. When you, when you see them at Walmart, wrong. See them at church, wrong. I'm going to sit on this side. They're going to have to sit on that side. And we're going to come at different services. We're going to not have to run into each other. We're going to not have to speak to each other. If I see them in the bathroom, it's going to be war. You know, it's anybody or a strong person can say, I'm sorry, but even a stronger person has to say, I forgive. Now Esau complained of what Jacob had done to him because he said it in Genesis 27, 36. We've already used that chapter, but here's what he said. Is he not rightly named Jacob deceiver? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. Now he's taken my blessing. Jacob, you know it. Some people, they're only takers. Take, 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 take. Hate, 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 hate. What's that song? 
Who's that? Player's going to play, 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 play. Is that even popular anymore? I got a new radio in my old truck. And it's got Bluetooth, Pastor Daniel. No air conditioning, but it's got Bluetooth. You know, Esau really had a lot to overcome. And, and I, know, I know some of us in here today, Pastor, I just, they just done too much. It's just, oh, Pastor, it's just so hard. I, I'd rather pet the offense. I, I'd rather keep talking up offense. I, I'd rather keep complaining about the, the offense. I'm more comfortable being offended. I'm more comfortable with the hate. I'm more comfortable with the separation. I'm more comfortable with... Mm, mm, mm. Holy Ghost just preached today. Just preach to us today. Preach to us today. But there's freedom in forgiveness. Louis B. Smead said to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. In Ephesians 4.32, the Bible says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God forgave you. In Christ, God forgave you. Say it with me. We used, to, we used to say this. We used to pray the model prayer before our football games from the time I was in, in middle school till I graduated from high school. We prayed. And I would suggest you keep on praying at school. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you heard it from me. I said, keep praying at school. You, you, don't, you don't have to stop praying. Just, you can pray anywhere. Amen. Amen. But we used to pray this. And y'all pray it with me. Let's say it together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We go to speaking in tongues on that one. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Wow. It's a two-way street. We're asking God to forgive us for things that we won't forgive somebody else of. Aren't we? Yeah, but they broke my heart. Yeah, but they owe me money. Yeah, but they stole Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So Jacob has to get in. He has to go to God in prayer because he's, he, listen, this is, this is really cool. I mean, I mean, in the Bible, this is so cool. Jacob, his father's dying. Isaac's dying. Rebecca says, Jake, Jacob, you're, you're, you're kind of a fair skinned and, and smooth skinned and, and little, you know, you know, he'd been, he'd been to the spa a time or two. <laughs> he had a pedicure and a 
and a manicure. And uh, she said, because you're so smooth, Isaac will, will, will know automatically you're, you're not Esau. And so let's put some hair on you. Let's get some skin on you. And so they put some skin, uh, his skins on, on Jacob and carry him in there when Isaac's dying. And Isaac blesses Esau. He, th- he knew something was a little bit wrong, but when he felt the skin, he said, well, this has got to be Esau. And my dad always had a saying. He always preached. He said, the only man that went by feelings blessed the wrong son. Wow. I like them old sayings from, from our founding pastor. The only man that went by feelings blessed the wrong son. You can't, you can't trust, you can't go by your feelings, your emotions. You, you, you got to remove yourself from your emotions. You got to remove yourself from your feelings and, and, and operate in faith. And so he blesses him. Jacob knows he's got the blessing, but there's still something missing. It's kind of like we come to church and, you know, that's all you feel good when the worship team's up here and, mm, oh yeah, mm. and, and, but you know, inside you got some junk, you got some Jacob in you, you got some Jacob still struggling. We all do. I mean, I'm, I'm, man, your testimony was awesome. Doesn't what, when did you give a testimony? That was awesome. Yeah. First of January. I was here, bro. It was good. Spot on. Because we all got junk. We got to get out. And so Jacob knew. So, but in it, in it, don't y'all see it? He's got the blessing. I mean, what more can you ask for? You got the blessing. But there's still something wrong. There's still, I, I'm still wanting to steal. I, I'm still, I'm still wanting to undermine. I'm still wanting to deceive. I'm still, there's, rebuke this microphone. I'm still wanting to. And so Jacob says, I've got to get with God. And so he gets on his face before God in Genesis chapter, the end of 32. And there's a change inside of him because he wrestles with, we don't know. It was an angel, a man, uh, some theologians will even say it was Jesus. I mean, but we know that he was wrestling with divinity and he was in prayer and he was praying. And, 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 and the, you know, I'm just going to say angel. The angel said, I got to go. I got to return back. I got to go back to, to God. I, I got to go back to the father. And, and, and Jacob said, I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go. I know I got the blessing, but I want the change. And I'm staying in this altar and I'm not going to leave from here until you change me. I want to be different. I'm tired of being deceiver. I'm tired of being who I am. I know my mess. I know my junk. I know my weakness. I know my habit. I know my hang up. I'm tired of it. I'm ready to be set free. So I'm not letting go of you until you change me. And so the Bible says that he had an encounter with God and the angel touched him in his hip. And from then on, Jacob had a mark on him. He had a limp. I'd rather be limping with Jesus 
than walking without him. I'd rather be living as a changed man on the inside than I have all the looks on the outside and corruption on the inside. Jacob said, I'm gonna stay in the altar until you change who I am. And so he touched him in his thigh, he gave him a limp, and then he changed his name from supplanter, deceiver, heel grabber to Israel, which means prince with God. So what happened was Jacob had a change, more than a blessing. More than a blessing. Oh, bless me, bless me, bless me. Let me get a raise. Let me get a new house. Let me get a new car. No, change me. Change me from being vulgar. Change me from being illicit. Change me from being hung up and, and change me from being addicted. Change me. I'm not letting go of you until you change who I am. I know I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I want to be who I'm supposed to be. So God changed me. And so he calls him Israel, prince with God. And we see the evidence of a changed man in Genesis chapter 33. Because Jacob now is pursuing reconciliation. Oh, and I guarantee you in that all night prayer meeting, Jacob was praying for God to change the heart of Esau. Because Jacob was afraid of Esau. Because Esau was a man. He was a man's man. He won't know, know, you know. Man, I just gotta be careful. So, he was afraid of him. So he sends gifts. But I really believe because of his change at, and he called it penile, which, glory to God. Holy Ghost is moving up here, y'all. So he, he, he called the name, he called the place, the altar, where he had this encounter, this change, this touching his thigh, changed his name to Israel. He called it Penal. Or some translators say Penuel. But it's Penal because that's the way I was raised. That was, Penal was my, mom, my wife's home church. My mother-in-law's church, she played a piano for six years. My father pastored that church, by the way, for three years, Penal, Pentecostal Free Will Baptist Church. And uh, that's where we got married at. But Penal means I saw God face to face and I lived. I saw God face to face and I lived. That's a pretty awesome encounter. That's pretty serious praying. And the evidence of the changes, now Esau's coming. I mean, Jacob's coming to Esau. Esau's coming with 400 men. Jacob's coming, and they're going to show you all this on the scriptures. Go home and read your Bible, Genesis 33. And it's all right there. You can read every bit of it. And um, so Jacob comes with gifts. He comes and he aligns his, he puts his, his maidservants and their children in the front, which is Bill Nunn, Zilpah, or somebody. Um, he puts them in the front and their children and then he puts Leah and her children and then he puts Rachel and her children, Rachel and Joseph at the back. And he heads toward this encounter, this meeting with Esau. So you gotta pursue reconciliation. And, and the scripture actually says he moved close to his brother. Did y'all hear that? 
He didn't avoid him. He didn't ignore him. He moved close. To, it says close to his brother. And he came limping. And he came bowing. The scripture says he bowed seven times. All his children behind him, family. This is not soldiers and armies and warriors behind him. This is, this is babies. This is children. And he's limping and he's bowing two times, three times, four times. The old saying is, he who bows avoids the bullets. And he bows four times. And he bows five times. And he bows six times. And he bows seven times. As a number of completion. As a number of surrender. And then he says this. He calls himself a servant of Esau. When the blessing said, Isaac said, that they'll bow to you. Everything that the blessing said, now Jacob's doing the opposite. <laughs> You're talking about a change, man. We're talking about God wants to make us different. He wants to change us from being these arrogant know-it-alls to being humble servants in submission and working toward reconciliation and chancing an arm instead of continuing to throw darts and guns and bullets. And let me tell you something, God, prayer, intercession can do what bullets will never be able to do. And so he comes this way and Esau, God's been working on his heart because Esau's coming and he sees his limping brother. What in the world's wrong with Jacob? What's, what's, what's happened to Jacob? And he sees him. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter three that he takes off running. Oh my God. He runs toward reconciliation. Do you see the change in Jacob and the, the preparation that he made for reconciliation is now being evidenced in Esau's attitude towards the son that he should hate, that he should want to kill, that he should want to just go to war with and fight and, and take him down and take him out. He's vulnerable. He's there with all, nothing but women and children and some animals. He doesn't have any bullets, swords. I got 400 men. Esau should have gone in and just destroyed him. But that's not what God called him to do. I want you to be reconciled. And so Esau grabs him by the neck and he starts kissing him on the neck <laughs> and hugging him. And before it's all said and done, Esau says, who are these? I, I, I want to meet my nephews. And I, I, I want to meet Donna, my niece. I, I, I want to meet, look at, these are your wives? <laughs> your wives? <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, uh, you've been busy. Um, I want to meet you. I, I want to. And so, and then he looks at him and he says, you know, you're, you're vulnerable. I, I, let's go together. I've got, I've got an army of 400 men here. Let, let's go to Mount Seir together. Let's travel together. Let's work together. And then, and then Israel says this. He says, well, wait a minute. Uh, Esau, man, I love you. I thank God for this reconciliation. Thank God that we're embracing one another. 
We're brothers. We're brothers. We got the same mama and same daddy. I want to tell y'all something right now. We all got the same mama and we all got the same daddy called Adam and Eve. Amen? Not Adam and Steve. Adam and Eve. There's only one race, human race. 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 That messes with some of y'all. Some of y'all, you're you're struggling with that because you're white. But there's only one race, human race. Some of you are struggling with that because you're black. But there's only one race, human race. We all got the same mom and daddy. I'll preach that till my toes are turned up. Thank you for all six amens. Some of y'all scared to say amen right now because of the idolatry of your victimization. I've been short all my life. Well, that timer's working in this service. They forgot to turn the timer on in the first service. So I went a little long. I think we need reconciliation more than we need to be right. I think we need to meet each other with grace more than with guns a-blazing. What's in the past is past. And I want to tell you right now, the past is only a place of reference. It's never a place of residence. And we can't do nothing about yesterday, but we can do something about tomorrow. And I really believe it's time for us to let love prevail. Come on. Where's the worship team? All one of them. <laughs> I just threw them a curveball. I'm quitting. I got to do this again. Have y'all got the message today? Amen. Yeah. 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 Amen. So... In finality, read Genesis chapter 33 because the way it begins is the the way it really ends because Jacob's transformation takes place at Peniel. But then after this reconciliation with Esau, he goes to Shechem, the city of Shechem in the land of Canaan and he builds, he erects another altar and he builds this altar and he calls it El Elohi Israel. The altar that is dedicated to the Prince of God, with God. Wow. It begins with an altar, it ends an altar. Reconciliation, forgiveness. You might have to, I mean, it, like I said, we all kind of feel pressured sometimes to forgive before we're ready. 
it is a process. The lady came up to me at the end of first service. She said, it was five years. It was five years before they had any progress, any movement in an exchange of forgiveness and reconciliation. I close today with the story of Charlita Evans. Charlita was the mother of two, two boys. One was three years old. His name was Kaysen. One was six years old. His name was Carson. She lived in the suburbs of Denver. And this was in 1995. And she went to another subdivision, another neighborhood to pick up her niece and to keep her niece. And she had her two boys in the car. And when she went to the front door to get her niece, these guys drove up in a car, mistook her car for a rival gang member car and loaded 21 bullets into her car. The six-year-old survived, but the three-year-old was killed. She was devastated. Her three-year-old baby was taken, murdered. I can't imagine. It's so, it's just unnatural for a child to go before a parent, especially in that way. Well, they did an investigation. They found out that it was a, a gang, group of gang members and that they had mistook her car for the wrong target. And her murderer was a 15-year-old boy by the name of Raymond Johnson. Raymond Johnson was 15. He went to court, was found guilty of murder and was incarcerated with a life sentence. She struggled with that, of course, losing her son. She was filled with hatred. She was filled with anger. She was filled with unforgiveness. But 17 years later, in 2012, she prayed about it. She prayed about it. She prayed about it. She finally said, she looked at Carson now, who's 23, older son she said Carson it's time we forgive her and Carson loaded up in the car they drove to the prison had an appointment to meet with Raymond Johnson they walked in the room Raymond Johnson said with tears in his eyes I'm so sorry I made a huge mistake please she looked at him and she said, Son, I forgive you. She didn't stop there. She said, Son, get up. He got up. She went over and she wrapped her arms around him. All right. And she check, hugged check. him. Ready, one, two, one, two. She said, I forgive you. All right. I'll just wait for you to come. She didn't stop there. She came home, her and Carson. She started sending Raymond money for his account in prison. She started sending birthday cards, holiday cards. She started
started continuing to return and visit Raymond Johnson. And they're still in relationship. The writer of the article actually said that she treats him like her own son. Wow. I know some of us are sitting here with some hang-ups and some issues and some unforgiveness, but I don't think it compares to that. Maybe it does. If it does, God's grace is still sufficient for whatever you're facing. I'm just here to tell you, it's time we lay down the swords. It's time we lay down the fight. It's time we chance an arm through the door of reconciliation. And we love one another. And we embrace one another from all families, from all sides. Yeah, but you don't know how hard it is. You don't know how I've been wounded. You don't know how I've been hurt. Well, I know one thing. We killed our Savior. We hung Him on a cross. And He still cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We've messed up not once, not twice, not three times, not four times. You know, Peter was all wrapped up in that. He said, how many times am I supposed to forgive? He really did. I mean, he was really wanting to get a number. And that's the way some of us are. We really want to get a number. How many times am I supposed to forgive them? I'm tired of them running over me. I'm tired of, how many times am I supposed to forgive them? Peter said, how many times? And, and, and Jesus looks at him and says, 70 times seven? 490? In other words, keep on forgiving. Don't stop forgiving. Do what you have to do, but keep on forgiving. Put it in your rear view mirror. The windshield's a whole lot bigger. Keep moving forward. Keep believing for your future. Holding on to unforgiveness is only going to minimize your future. But when you let go of it, you're going to open up opportunities. You're going to enlarge your capacity. You're going to enlarge your future. You're going to get over your hang-ups and you're going to stop being offended and, 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 and clinging to your offense. Praise God. God's just going to bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Just like he did Jacob and Esau because of their reconciliation. Stand with me today.